episode of Setting the Tone, an ER retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Salutations. And Daniel. Hey. Today we'll be discussing Season 8, Episode 2, which is held The Longer You Stay. The episode aired on October 4th, 2001. Lauren, what was going on that week 21 years ago? Uh, let's talk about some aftermath from last week and just get this out of the way up front. We're not going to spend 30 minutes on this one today, guys. Uh, in response to the September 11th attacks, U.S. President George W. Bush announces the creation of the Department of Homeland Security. The, the organization incorporated all or some of 22 different departments within the executive branch of the federal government, making the DHS the single largest U.S. government restructuring since the Department of Defense was created in 1952. And holy shit... Uh, because this has been around so long, I just assumed the Department of Homeland Security had just been around for fucking ever. Nope. Nope. Like. Used to be various other agencies just yep. with their own autonomy, but now they're all, and now it's a cabinet position, I believe. I think Director so. Director of Homeland Security. I think so, yeah. They, and it's the second, mo- or second youngest, I think, like full government mm. uh, department. Uh, I think the only one that is younger than it is uh ice which uh, which uh, is a part of department of homeland security which, yeah which took the place of uh immigration services immigration and uh, border control yep great uh so moving on because this is poopy um in other medical show news the hit medical sitcom scrubs debuts on nbc the show starred zach braff donald Faison, right yeah Faison, Faison, on and sarah chalk yeah okay and would run for 182 episodes over nine seasons hey she's great yeah no i just don't just the name no i just the name i was just there's an e at the end and i wasn't sure how i wanted to do that uh zoolander every high school and college bro's favorite movie ever and starring ben stiller owen wilson and will ferrell debuts but is narrowly beaten by fellow newcomer and your number one movie this week don't say a word but lauren why male models uh, Fallen by Alicia Keys is the new number one song this week. Because I don't remember Zoolander enough to make Fair enough. to respond to that joke. <laughs> Sorry. There's, oh boy. There's a very uh, there's a very interesting family story about when we went to see Zoolander, and it just forever lives in infamy in our family. So. And Alicia Keys rules. I fucking love this song. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah that's fine. No complaints. My first home run of a number one song in a, in a while for no, me. No, no beef for Alicia Keys. As for what else was on that evening at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with the Red Sweater, at 8.30, Inside Schwartz with the episode Let's Go to the Videotape, at 9, Will and Grace with the episode Past and Presence, and at 9.30, as mentioned in the headlines, we have for the first time ever Scrubs, which I did not realize ever led in uh, to ER. Seems like... I uh, Yeah, that seems bizarre. It debuted on... Tuesday, October second. Yeah, so, so this is this I is season. Sure. I didn't know it was a Thursday show too. This is season one, episode two. Uh, so the show, it's not its uh, pilot episode, but it's the first. You know, as as with most shows, the pilot episode is always a little weird, little different. Things are off. They're still working things out. So generally speaking, season one, episode two is where shows kind of really get the ball rolling on things. Uh, and this uh, this episode here, My Mentor, which is where they really start to first establish and dig into the relationship between Zach Braff's character and John C. McGinley's character, uh, Dr. Cox. Uh, I love Scrubs. I uh, d- did a lightning fast rewatch of it uh, last year, uh, blew through all eight of the seasons that matter. Season nine, let's not talk about it. Um and I blew through all eight of those seasons in probably less than a month. Like it is, 
imminently digestible. Like it is, you know, because it's obviously the 30 minute uh, version versus, you know, 45 minutes to an hour that is ER. It's a lot easier to binge. Um, and of course, it's primarily a comedy, not to say that it was a show that could never uh, possibly shit inside your soul and make you feel things that you uh, didn't know were possible, uh, because I would say I probably sobbed like a baby harder at more Scrubs episodes than I have uh, ER episodes. Really? Uh, yeah. Scrubs really knew how to pull at the fucking heartstrings, gang. Holy fucking shit. I've, I've never watched all of it. What is your level of familiarity with it, Lizzie? It's I've seen a few episodes here and there, but it's mostly from like small clips. Yeah, here my, and there. my high school friends they were into it for a while, so like sometimes it would just be the DVDs we threw on, but yeah. I never really like watched it through. Yeah. It's, it's a been, it's been stuck on Hulu forever, and I have and because of the way I, I, the way we have Hulu, it's connected to my Spotify account, so I get it for free. But mm. it has ads. Yeah. And sitting through 23-minute episodes with, like, four ad breaks is yeah. miserable. I, I can't speak to whether or not it is um, still there, but when I did my my Lightning rewatch last year, it was through Amazon Prime. So, Ooh, uh, and that was, that was ad-free. Uh, but uh, Scrubs is a show that uh, went through its kind of peaks and valleys. I'm not going to say that it stays completely 100% evergreen all the way through, but I was delightfully uh, pleased with how well it held up kind of generally speaking um there's obviously being a primarily a comedy that takes place in the early 2000s there's going to be a few groaners in there there's going to be a few things that don't pass the 2022 smell test but overall it still retains a lot of its heart and it has some of the best like i said like just emotional beats like uh brendan frazier uh does a couple of episodes Mm -hmm. that will absolutely destroy you like the man is just incredible and i love that that he's being rediscovered and given his his due due uh due flowers i want to watch his new movie but i'm so afraid it's gonna break my heart yeah so yeah big 10 out of 10 recommend for Scrubs. Like I said, just the first eight seasons. Let's let's all collectively pretend that season nine didn't happen uh, because they ended it so perfectly. And then they just went back to the well too many times. This is also a show that is um, uh, really like weird because it like hops around from network to network and it was it would hop around from night to night. So I don't know if it consistently stays on Thursdays. So we'll have to like keep an eye on it. Yeah, uh, still, it looks like it's if it was on Amazon, it's back on Hulu. And Darn. it looks like it only changed networks once from NBC to ABC. Yeah, it was towards flight. the end. It was toward like it was a show. That it was sort of like Community, where it was like constantly on the verge of getting canceled, and was like you know, oh, we are going to cancel it, and then psych, no, we're not. We're going to bring it back, and then we changed network over networks over to ABC, and now the show's terrible. And I just you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> the writer's strike was a bitch. Yeah, it, it's you know, I, I still have a very soft spot in my heart, even though I find Zach to be a little like loves the smell of his own farts just a little too much uh he i find him to be the most tolerable in scrubs so he's the male zoe de chanel kinda a little bit a little bit uh also new girl also great speaking of zoe de chanel uh, has so Daniel, nothing to do with tell, scraps. Uh, tell us more about this episode. Yes. Uh, this week's episode had 26.9 million viewers tuning in, directed by Jonathan Kaplan doing his 20th out of 40. Uh, his uh, run from last season included Rampage, The Crossing, Rock, Paper, Scissors, The Greatest of Gifts, The Visit, and Homecoming, and written by Jack Orman doing his 20th out of 28. And uh, we just saw him last week with Four Corners. All right. Are you guys ready for the busiest uh, open Pre-credits open. 
Because this felt Whew. like it lasted for an hour. Yeah. This felt like this was the whole episode. So we start off with the previously on, Benton. And we go into Carter is talking to Frank about how he's made the shift record. And he's had such a good shift. Bunch of people knocked off the board. Couple people admitted doing great. Uh, Hale is arguing with Pablo about taking his beer. Hi, Pablo. Welcome back. And Abby refuses to help because she just punched out. So she is out for the day. Uh, Corday comes in looking for Mark, carrying Ella, clearly distressed. We see Carrie working with Yosh on an elderly woman with some burns. So Carrie's in the office today. Great. Corday asks Carrie where Mark is. Carrie's like, well, I don't know, but I need you for a surgical consult. So you better, like, get rid of your baby. Uh, and then Chen is checking with Carrie on stuff. Carrie, basically, blah, blah, blah. You you need to be chief now. Don't come to me for everything. Blah, blah, blah. How dare you want supervision? That won't bite her in the ass. No. Nope. Just, nope. You, you need to be self-sufficient now. Blah, blah, blah. Who cares that you're only a month or two into this new position? Blah, blah. This is this season, I've decided, this is the season where we get the Carrie is a bitch stereotype. Because mm-hmm. first, first six seasons she's been on, she's been great. This season is the one where we get, quote, problematic Carrie. Mm-hmm. And I think this is the one that villainizes her for a lot of people. Just going to say that now. Because, holy shit, talk about a, a character assassination this this next couple episodes. But um, then Corday finds Mark in trauma and she says, you need to be home when you say you're going to be home. I'm an hour late for my shift. And oh boy, you guys, do I have a conversation about equal labor in marriages and weaponized incompetence and everything with Mr. Mark Green this episode. Your girl has thoughts. Um, but God, we're still going in this opening. Abby and Carter are talking about his job prospects because he still hasn't told he still hasn't talked to Carrie about the attending position. To which Abby says, "You really need to go talk to her. Like, don't be a don't be a bitch. Which, go talk to her about this." Which, from a flow standpoint, should should have been the bangs like that. Right. Like as soon as that as soon as been. as soon as they have that little conversation, and he takes that that little pause before he's like, "I guess I'm gonna go back in there." That should have been the bang. Like, that should have been it right there. And yep. it's like, you're right. This one really does, like, milk it and really, really push it to the absolute limit. So Carter goes back in to talk to Carrie, and he's like, hey, I better get that new attending in here, huh? And she's running a, apparently running a classified in the annals, yeah. in the in medical journals. And they're hoping for someone with the le- who's at least five years post-residency. But she's like, oh, yeah, go apply. That's fine. Yeah. Very, like, I guess. Yeah. Clearly not the first choice. Yeah, and Chen begs Carter to help because she's super swamped and he's supposed to be his parents for dinner. She's like, one easy pa- uh, She's like one easy patient. That's all I'm asking. It's a toe to suture. What's the worst that could happen? Super, super fun. Uh, and Pablo pees on Carter. Fun. Sure does. Mm. Welcome back, Pablo. Not only does it smell like urine in here, it also smells like Susan Lewis. Because uh, that's... <laughs> Not that Susan Lewis smells like urine. I'm just saying that like what the they're, like, Where are we they're, going with they're dropping the first uh, hint that they are bringing in a new attending. Oh, um, I wouldn't have even put that together. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, see, I'm, I, I connected it together. So, Want to state for the record, Susan Lewis does not smell like urine. That I know of. Uh, we go in with Banks. Uh, we come out of the outro, uh, or out of the intro, rather, with uh, Carter working on a roadie who dropped a volcano prop on his toe. Uh, and uh, Carter was led to believe this would just be a quick 15-minute fix, but looking at the damage, it's going to take probably an hour or more. 
Uh, and he's got the uh, roadie guy here has a buddy with him who faints when Carter does the lidocaine. And Carter just like Carter doesn't even acknowledge that he's fallen. Uh, but Chuni goes over to check on him and uh, sees that he's not breathing. So that's going to take precedence over what I'm going to call Toe Guy because he never yeah. really gets a name. He, he gets uh, Toe Guy all through the notes. Yeah. Uh, toe Guy here is probably the most recognizable. Oh, hey, it's that person of the episode. There's not a ton this uh, uh, this episode. It's not except a ton. for nope. except for one uh, one significant uh, person. But insignificant character uh later on uh evan jones who has played uh or or who is uh known for appearing in stuff like eight mile den of thieves and the book of eli uh i think i probably recognized him from eight mile more than anything uh so that means he's the first eight mile alumni to appear on the show uh won't be the last we'll get at least two more Uh, But he's the first one. We then see a woman talking to Lizzie about her son's uh, surgery prognosis slash results while Ella is screaming and crying on her lap, just putting on an all-time great performance. Uh, And Lizzie is just, you know, obviously, like, not down, like, not excited about this. Like, uh, this has got to be embarrassing for her to have to give news like that while you're toddler, or not toddler, your infant is screaming in your lap, screaming bloody murder. And uh, when Mark comes up, she's like, no more weekend shifts that are remotely close to each other. This can't happen again. I love how he's like, I thought four hours was enough. I mean, well, Mark, you got carried away. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's a lot of things to nitpick Mark about this episode. uh, But I think I think if I was in that same situation, I think I would have thought four hours would be a reasonable cushion on either end. Yeah, I would, too. But also, Mark, you're you're making the same mistakes you made with Jen already. Oh, sure. Yeah. Which goes right back to what we talked about in season one that, you know, Mark Green is no angel. Like, Mark, Mm -hmm. you can say all the things you want about Jennifer Green and and a lot of those things will end up being true. But, you know, it's not that Mark was completely blameless in that situation either. No. So, you know, Uh, but uh, the it was turns out it was the homeless guy from last episode whose mother was speaking with Lizzie and he died of sepsis. And I only remembered it was his mom because I think it's Mark who says he's he's young enough to have a mom yeah and lizzie's like we all have moms and then storms off <laughs> anyway roadie number two is still down uh apparently they mix some beers some pot and some other drug called liquid g so ghb yep i don't know actually i don't actually know what ghb is. i don't State either rape drug oh oh it's a date rape drug oh okay why would you take that to party like that just seems like a bad idea that's like I think that's kind of where it got its source was people started it with a party drug uh, and then realized oh it knocks people out. Oh well, this is this is unpleasant. Yeah. This is taking a dark turn. All right, so sweet. just saying, yeah, it's like they mentioned once or twice GHB. Okay, uh, the guitar the guitarist gets brought in and he also collapsed the show and apparently there was like a rush to the stage after he did, which seems really weird, but. I don't know. Yeah, well, and also, too, that, like, it's – because these guys who are in at the beginning, like, the the two roadies, uh, they're roadies for the opening act for uh, Metallica, I think. Yeah, for Metallica, yeah. So it's not like the guitars of Metallica – Right. Uh, collapse. It's the guitars for the opener. Which I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that this feels like an idea that was written with the possibility that maybe they could get the guitars from Metallica to guest star and then either were told no or got no answer. And so they were like, fuck it, make it the opening act instead. 
And like the, I forget what the name of the band is that they are roadies for, but it is something like vaguely like double entendre. -y. Like it's like wood, wood touchers or something. Like it's like some goofy like fucking like kind of boner joke, but I can't remember exactly what it is. And then uh, we see a seven year old who was brought in from the concert into Cleo and Benton. His name is Kevin. He got caught in the crowd and pushed up against the stage. And this is the only place in this episode I'm gonna fit this. Whose films are those? But then a cop comes in and says another ER is looking for Benton because it they are they have Reese and there's no no mention of Carla at this time. But Benton has to go to the hospital and check on Reese. So Cleo tells him to leave and she'll take care of it. As far as Kevin goes, so Benton, go check on your kid. Benton, Reese, and the Infinite Sadness. All right, sweet. <laughs> uh, Abby pops into Luca's new place to finds him playing a PlayStation. So a, a Sony PlayStation. As specifically <laughs> yes sony playstation yeah uh he hasn't bought any furniture yet though but he got an aquarium which will become a plot device later this season yeah i forget if it's like exactly like i forget exactly what episode it is anyway but yes it does yeah but it becomes a thing uh you know she wants to she's super she's really hungry she wants to go out and it's like we can hunt zombies together and we don't. He's obviously not playing a real game, but that is a PlayStation controller he's holding. So this, yeah, the sounds that are coming out of the TV are so the like generic like video game sounds from the sound library uh, tracks. Like they're just not. It, it's not indicative of anything. Uh, at least not anything that I recognize. Uh, speaking of character assassination, like holy shit! Like this episode is just like a forty-five minute exercise in how do we tear fucking luca down like how do we completely demonize and ruin that character uh so that it makes it seem like abby's making the sensible choice to uh go off with carter like i just ugh, i just i hate a lot of things about this episode this is uh spoilers for the end not one of my faves uh but it's particularly egregious when you look at carrie and luca this episode mm -hmm. like i don't think and i really don't think much of anybody this episode behaves the way that we expect them to or the way we've been accustomed to or, or we, we've been taught to think of them i don't think anybody really is behaving no normally this episode it's really strange yeah i guess but it's just it, like just overall like this episode is very dark and very everybody's cranky very cranky and like it's like i i texted both of you like as i was doing my watch for notes this week that like the whole thing feels like a temper tantrum by the writers like it just feels mm -hmm. it feels like them and i don't know if it's because they know that like you know a third of their main cast is leaving this season and so they're gonna have to like start all over basically so but it just feels like them going like i don't wanna and like crossing their arms and like i'm just gonna like throw a hand grenade into the middle of everything going, eh. yeah it's just I, i'm not not a huge fan but in any event we go over to carter complaining to chuni about his patient load and uh looking for chen to hand them all back off and i love how chuni's basically just like dude don't complain to me <laughs> like his like either <laughs> embrace the suck or just like get over it not my fucking problem. Right. Don't complain to the nurses about your doctor problems. Uh, Kevin is uh, getting checked out by Lizzie. Uh, he got shoved up against the stage uh, when uh, they're in the middle of evaluating him when his babysitter shows up to check on him. And uh, turns out that uh, her boyfriend brought tickets and they just decided on a whim to go. Uh, but we're going to have him back in bed by 11. Real, very responsible there. 
and then we see Malucci get in and Kiri yells at him to change because he's just in like workout clothes uh, yeah. because he's got one foot out the door. <clears throat> but and he also just like just got there. Right. He was following an ambulance. Was, yeah, following yeah, an ambulance in. in, which they do sort of like I- I'm thinking back to some of the like later day Clooney outfits yeah. where it was like Clooney had one foot out the door too and like they th- nobody ever was like you need to wear you know white coat and dress better like dude was in a t-shirt and jeans most of the time and then uh the ponytail private investigator dude from when season two uh I think it was like season three three or three four, or four. yeah four, but it's okay. it has been a long while that's another thing like that previously on that Benton did at the beginning is maybe the most archaic previously on we have ever seen like in terms of like digging up shit from years ago to bring up Mm -hmm. as uh what you're going to be dealing with this episode it also includes i forgot to mention it also includes the first example but certainly not the last looking at you next episode maybe next episode i'm not sure uh of recasting or reshooting a previous scene because they show the scene from uh rampage of um Benton getting punched out by oh, good catch. by Roger, but it is now Man, it is that. now Roger two doing the punching and Ooh. not Roger one. So good catch. Okay, but anyway, Ponytail Man says he actually did find Carrie's mom this time. He double checked. There was a new database that was made available to him, and he said, "If you're interested, it's four hundred bucks." Be across the street. And Daniel has a note. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess it, I guess it doesn't really apply here because we do see him briefly later in uh, in Docs, but this is, this episode does mark the last appearance of what I'm calling store brand Paul Heyman, which is again a wrestling reference that will apply to the three of us and no Whoa. one else. Jake, Jake, no, Jake, no, Wayne, no Jake, you're right. Wayne, no, <laughs> Jake, you're right. The three of us. Jake actively three- actively makes it his mission not to know. The three of us and our one lovely listener that we got from Attitude Era podcast. Hey. Um, Hey. But yeah, so then we go over to Luca and Abby head out for their date to the bar, and some of the regulars recognize Luca because he was there earlier, and the waitress also recognizes him. Apparently. And I audibly groaned. <laughs> Lizzie goes, oh, fuck. Yeah, I audibly. That's, that was pretty much what I said when she poked her dumb dumb little face on screen but but daniel who's our waitress ah the kenesha of season eight has arrived oh jesus uh the waitress here who i don't think gets a name this episode but uh i think her name is nicole is that does that ring a bell for anyone i'm look man (laughs) i have no bells she's really uh unpleasant and not anyone she'll get a name yeah i'm pretty i like i'm like 90 percent sure the character's name is nicole uh, but in this episode, she doesn't really get name checked, so I just wrote her down as Waitress. Uh, played by Julie Delpy, who appears in stuff like Two Days in Paris, Before Sunrise, as well as Before Sunset, which I can only assume are uh, sequels to one another. If uh, not, that would be really funny. Right? Yeah, that right? <laughs> Imagine her surprise when she showed up on the set of the second movie. Wait, this is a different show? Uh, Spoiler alert for the end of the, uh, for the, end of the season. Once Daniel publishes, you know, what gives us our the note stock for the season eight wrap up, I am going to move faster than the speed of light to put this woman in as my <laughs> favorite character like for said, season eight. She's the Kanisha of season eight. Uh, she is, of course, making her first of seven appearances uh, through, I believe, the end of this season. It's all contained within uh, season uh, eight. Yeah, it is. So thank God. Yeah, and then. Abby asks for some menus, and we learn, unfortunately, they stop serving food at 10, and it's 10.02. 
but they can maybe get some potato soup if it hasn't been thrown out yet. Which oh. I love potato soup, but the idea of getting potato soup from a bar that's been sitting in a vat all day, yeah. no thanks, I'm yeah. good. No so Abby's thanks. already not, not having a great time as somebody who doesn't drink being stuck in a bar without food. Um, and then we go over to two girls fretting over the trauma door where the guitarist is. Uh, or is it the guitarist or the roadie here? It's I think the guitarist. I don't I don't yeah. think anyone cares about the roadie, to be perfectly honest. Yes, that's fair. Um, but Carter tells them both that the guy's all good now. This one girl, her asthma gets worse because she's freaking out, so she has to sit down. And her friend is on just a little acid and is like, so, is that a pool of blood on the ceiling? Is there a body up there? What's this? Are you sure that's not a body up there? Is that blood? And she just keeps going, and then she starts messing with one of the IV bags. And Holly's like, don't touch that. And it's so good. And then Lauren pops into the corner of the screen to go, no, this is just really good set design. Have you ever looked at the ceiling of County General and seen the water stains? That's like the best thing in the entire show is that hey, there are water finally stains somebody, on the ceiling. Finally, somebody else noticed how fucking gross those ceilings are, <laughs> except for me. There we go. A vindication. Well, we shift gears to the other ER where Benton is there to check on Reese and... Little, bu- <laughs> little buddy's just hanging out in on a gurney. Just, I love how he's just kicking his little feet. Yeah, right. Let's just, like we we've already given uh, great great flowers to the variant of uh, Ducky Reese. I would like to give flowers to uh, the variant of uh, minor head wound Reese, like yes. with his, with his little like gauze pad with the <laughs> with the blood blood stain sticking through, like just chilling on a gurney. Then the doctor shows up to talk to him about what happened with the car accident, and but she needs to speak to a relative about what happened in the accident slash to Carla, which Benton, being no, a doctor, it's... immediately is like she's dead. Yeah, like I, the look on his face. Bitch is gone. Yeah, it's it's excellent face acting by Eric LaSalle to to not like. I feel like a lesser show would have spelled it out harder. Like would have been like. Is she dead? Yeah, right. Is tell, she dead? Like, I'm a doctor. You can tell me, kind of thing. Like, and like, he just really gives you all the information you need, just written across his face, and it it works really, really well. Uh, but we go back to the two girls, uh, Melody, uh, the the one not on acid. Uh, she potentially has an infection causing damage to her heart. Not great. Uh, likely from a new piercing in a very sensitive area done by her friend Fiona. Uh, apparently it's been uh, gross and bothersome for uh, oh you know three months Ugh. no big deal uh, and while Carter's in the middle of examining her Diana the other girl the one on acid decides to just jump on top of Carter uh, and he accidentally throws her off into a window in quite possibly the most Bugs Bunny Roadrunner fucking <laughs> it was great like gag they have ever done on the show it was beautiful like i'm surprised they didn't beautiful. add sound effects it was so fucking wackety schmackety and uh yosh with the line of the episode i'll make a new chart yeah so fuck this episode for making lauren and i talk about genital piercings <sighs> i mean i didn't have to say anything about them you guys did all the talking so yeah i mean no like you and i were talking about oh yeah we were, we were just notes. like because Yes, the uh, particulars. We don't need to to talk about I'm not going to go into specifics. I was just saying the particulars on where that Uh piercing may have been. I I had to spell it out a little bit. It seems seems like the kind of area that it would be particularly troublesome for it to be in pain for three months before you get it checked out. Uh, But hey, who am I? 
we then go back we then go back to the bar uh there's an older man asking abby if she's seen anything like what's wrong on his hand before which i feel like every nurse slash doctor slash medical person of any kind has to sympathize with that particular uh interaction uh i you love you nurse jen right i feel like i feel like that was speaking to nurse jen directly um Abby then motions to her watch when Luca and her make eye contact from across the bar. He's over in the corner playing pool uh, with a couple of other dudes. Uh, and this episode is just fucking bizarre. <laughs> and like every every part of it, I'm just like, that. I don't feel like this is what that character would be doing in this situation. And here we are. Uh, but uh, we go back to the ER where Carter is on the phone with his parents to try and reschedule since he uh, ran late. Uh, sounds like it's not going to come together, though. Uh, you know, his parents have other commitments. He's got other commitments. So he's like, oh, we'll just get together next time you're in town. So that's the last we'll be seeing of uh, his parents for, I guess, at least an episode or two. Uh, he's wrapping uh, Diana's hand up. And uh, the roadie that came in first, uh, the his Christian name, of course, being Toe Guy, uh, is yelling about when his toe will be fixed. <laughs> and uh never with that attitude right carter just uh which okay we also did not talk yet about when they do the lidocaine and the guy faints the like 10 out of 10 horrific props uh makeup whatever you want to call it work on that toe like on the needle going the needle going into the toe too step 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 like uh, on the like oogie scale that is like a 12 out of 10 just it gets one good from it, me. yeah it hurts to flap my arms from yesterday so can you please stop? <laughs> it's just oof. it's a lot uh but carter uh also going through a lot uh screams for someone to find him chen and i like <laughs> i like how yosh is standing next to it like you want to talk about uh lauren's pi- uh, pick that wasn't for the season seven mvp yosh which uh made no sense at the time makes perfect sense in this episode because yosh is in fact the mvp of this episode he's a delight because i love i, was, I love when carter's screaming for someone to find him chen, <laughs> chen yosh just looks at him and is like are you talking to me you want me to do that <laughs> do you want me to do that and he's like yes actually that would be great like i, I love when carter realizes he's being a jerk and he goes yes actually that would be nice yeah. please like, yeah but Carter has to call Abby, so let's listen to that conversation. Dr. Carter, Pilar's finally going up. Who? The kidney stones. Urology. Good for urology. Well, Abby said she gave him gym, but it wasn't charted. So, should I give him a dose? Not if she gave him one. Then what do I do? Call her. Well, she's not at home. Call herself. You got a number? You know what? I need to yell at her anyway. Having fun? Are you out having a good time? No, not exactly. What are you doing? I am sitting a wrist on an LSD vibe. You're working? Someone talked me into coming back into the ER and begging Weaver, and I got sucked back into the ER vortex. I didn't tell you to talk to her tonight. Huh. Did you give Jen to the kidney stone before? No. Malik said you did. No, that was gallbladder guy. I thought you had really shift. I do. Luca drag me to this bar so much for quitting okay what who's that it's carter is that luca can you hang on a second 
Things are dying down. I'm going to Doc Magoo's for a minute. Things Stay aren't dying down. I got me. five patients. I'm not even on. Okay, then sign up. Go home. I gotta go. You don't need to hang up for me. Who's about a patient? You ready to go? If you want. Yeah, Luca, I want. Fine. What? Now you're mad? Finish your cigarette. I'll pay the bill. First off, are they out by like the Metra? Yeah, like did he, he? I was like, did he drag? He, the only place where anywhere remotely close to where their supposed hospital is would be like the Union Station train yard, right? And there's no bars that close to it that I can think of. Yeah, that you would hear that much. So first off, <laughs> uh, L trains don't make the ding 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 noise. Oh yeah, those are those are definitely city. like freight trains. Freight trains or their. Uh, passing the commuter trains going through intersections or whatever but so that's the first thing second off i'm gonna work my way backwards here luca clearly says here this will be important for later i'm going to pay the bill finish your cigarette like he clearly is getting ready to leave Mm -hmm. that's how they write this here that's two three god i hate carter he's like well i'm here because somebody fucking told me to do it and it's like you didn't have to talk to him now, idiot. Or talk to her now. You could have gone home and done this later. So just like, everybody's stupid. Mm-hmm. Had a little situational awareness and seen what was going on. Knew the risk you were taking. <sighs> and I love, I, I love Carrie too. That's just like, fine, go home. I don't care. Like just. <laughs> yeah. Also, the fact that she only tells Carter where she's going. Yeah, which I guess is speak to, is supposed to speak to like just her level of distraction and how like yeah. how detached she is from everything. She's so focused on, you know, this, this, uh, you know, potential mother revelation, which, you know, but, and yes, but she's been down this road before at this point, like she's done this once or twice already. You would think by now she's like, okay, yeah, I need to go talk to this guy, but first we're slammed. Let me get my ducks in a row. It's so not like Carrie here. Right. Yeah. There, there, there is a tremendous amount of suspension of disbelief required to really make a lot of the choices and a lot of the actions made in this episode make sense or, or make them seem believable. Like, you know, Luca's personality has changed 180. Again, again, what's up with the whole so much for quitting thing when you took your fucking, I, well, I don't know if he knows about her drinking issues, but, like, you took your girlfriend who doesn't drink to a bar where there's nothing else for her to do. Right. And you're going to be catty that she's having a cigarette? Yeah. They just, they, they completely, like, flip his personality 180 from where it has been. Like, because even when he was, like, extra, like, fucking sad boy, catatonic, like, doesn't want to talk to anybody except for the bishop, like, all, all that stuff. He was never this guy. Like, he, yeah. even when he was at his worst prior to now, he was never this guy. He was never petty and dismissive. Yeah, right. this guy is a completely different character, and I don't understand the logic behind I mean, I understand what they were trying to do with it. They're trying to make him seem like an unappealing alternative to Carter, and so they, they're, and mission fucking successful. Uh, also, is that Carter? Is that Luca? Just, right? Like, shut up. Just fuck you. already. The two of you. Like, just get it over with. Uh, not talking about Abby either. Uh, but <laughs> just, yeah, there's just so much to dislike here. That's all I got. If I could, if I kept going, we'd never finish the episode. 
Lizzie, do you have anything else to complain about there? All right. Then we go back to Benton at the hospital. He sees Carla um, dead in the trauma room. There's no better way to say that. She's been intubated, so she's still got all the tubes and stuff going on. She's, but she's also, clearly... also a completely different person that is very much not Carla. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But clearly deceased, supposed to be Carla. Uh, we see new Roger arrive to get the news. And he sees Benton and he goes, what's, what are they going to tell me? Like, what's, what's the doctor going to say? Yeah. What am I going to hear? This is, this is also where I would normally pop in and be like, Hey, this is a new person. Well, of course we don't have to do that here because we've already met, uh, Roger two many, many moons ago, uh, when he showed up in season one, playing a completely different character that he shouldn't have been playing in the first place. Boy, howdy. You want to talk about completely different. Not only did he detransition folks, he came back from the dead, right? Jesus. It's true Um, though. Uh, but yeah, he'll, he'll be with us, uh, at least for the next, a few episodes until Benton's gone. Uh, we'll uh, we'll hang on to Roger. This is too. only a few episodes. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. Benton Benton, Benton is gone. I mean, technically, he does come back for like a brief cameo thing because they realize yeah. because they realize they're bad at writing. Um, he <laughs> he comes, <laughs> but Benton's like story is done by episode ten, I think, of this season. Jesus. So we're we're like oh. we are counting down the days on uh, yeah. Mister Lasalle. Then they shipped out over to the Mark to the Mark's death parade. Good yeah. God! So we find out that they worked on Carla for over an hour, but they couldn't repair her internal bleeding. She was pretty much gone on impact. Roger goes in to sit with her, and we see a pan down. This isn't going to matter at all. Hint to a photo of Roger and Reese that was in Carla's wallet. Not setting anything up at all. Um, Benton goes over to check on Reese and explains to him what happened as best he can. And Reese keeps asking for his mom. And this is some of the best acting that's ever done in this show. Oh, my God. Mm. I love Eric LaSalle and the actor who plays Reese. They have such a good relationship. Like, this is so well done. Yeah. The whole episode may be a dumpster fire, but Baby Reese has never been better. Oh yeah, nope. this this Tod- toddler Reese by this point, but still but this uh, still. this whole uh, part of the episode, like the, all the stuff with Benton, all the stuff with Reese, you know, finally sending Carla off into the sunset. Like all of these things are the only part of this episode that I would save in a fire. Like everything else in this episode, I'm like totally fine with just throwing in the garbage but this stuff here is like some of the best shit in the show like i just the the moment there between uh benton and reese is so emotional and so well done and you know um there's a a really interesting uh listener response about it It, well a a couple i mean obviously this is a, a moment that engenders a lot of like strong emotions um and I'm interested to see what everybody thinks about it when we get to it. But like, you know, having to add in the extra layer of like the sign language part of things too, like adds in such a, a cool element to it. Uh, and mm. that's part of, you know, when we get to the responses, but like, I don't know, it's just, it, it's for my money. It is one of the best Benton moments and it's one of the best moments period in the show. It's of course, beautifully scored by Martin. And like, I just, I just love everything about it. One thing I do wonder, though, and um, again, I have no ASL experience. I do not sign at all. I'm going to admit I have no idea. But I was curious because there's a, there's a few moments there where Reese, um, it looks like he may be signing something back. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the actor is so young, he wouldn't 
you know it, it may not necessarily as, be what it's meant to be right what what it's meant to be and he also wouldn't be speaking it either both because he's so young and still yeah. learning yeah this is also know, as an actually deaf actor like right. there would there's some other things that would like i'm just curious on what if he's signing anything because again there's a few moments where it looks like there's some intentional movement there yeah and I just, I was just. He he does that, he. But. The only reason I and I don't I don't know ASL at all, but like th- just from context clues, there is one sign he does that Benton returns to him mm-hmm. in and is explaining something to him, which I think means wake up. And yeah, that might have been the one. That yeah, I was and so it sounds so based on context clues, I can only imagine that what he's signing there is you know when is she going to wake up or you know can she wake up or wake her up or whatever and then benton goes on to explain that you know sometimes people can't wake up and it you know that so yeah there is something to that as well and then other than like when he was like a baby baby and was like you know crying and ooing and cooing all the time this is also kind of granted it's a little broken but you get the idea of what he's getting at this is also the first time we've ever heard reese speak yeah. Like, because you he he pretty clearly is trying to say mom in his own you know way and like it's it's kind of interesting that this is the first time we have ever really heard his like voice. I can't remember. Do we later? Like not really, because like he yeah he, like he mostly. Signs. I mean yeah, and like I said, he's he's not going to get much different between now and when Benton leaves, and right. then the next time we'll see him will be season fifteen when he's like yep. practically almost a teenager, and yeah. at that point you know it there's not really any narrative reason for him to speak because he's really just there to kind of wave because it's his like cameo. Like, hey, it's Reese. Yeah. But yeah. So that being said, good on both of them. Excellent acting. We go over to, Oh God, here we go. Uh, hey. a guy named Paul is being wheeled in. He, they say something about him needing Narcan or they gave him Narcan on the scene. Cause it was a presumed overdose or something. There was some reason why yeah. Narcan was involved, but his brother comes with him. It, he was complaining of chest pain all day. Daniel, who is the brother? Uh, the brother is played by, uh, uh, I guess you could say, he's actor here, but he's better known for other things. Uh, Michael Blyden. Uh, and he uh, is better known for being a writer for the uh, Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show uh, mm-hmm. and uh, director for uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Cool. Uh, but Paul's first art show was this week. His brother said he hadn't. he was in town visiting and he had, he noticed Paul hadn't really been sleeping at all because he was so nervous. Uh, Malucci uh, tr- thinks it must have been drugs. He just thinks, of course, the guy was nervous and up because he was trying to finish stuff for his art show. So, of course, he's taking cocaine. And has a heart attack. And has a heart attack. So, he wants to order thrombolytics. But Helene needs sign-off from an attending because, of course, she does. These are serious anticoagulants. Like, they need additional sign-off. But he yells at her to go get one of the attendings because time is muscle. And Carrie's a wall. She's at Doc Magoo's. And who would be the other one? Would it be Chen? Would Chen count as like the other supervising person? Uh, Chen's not an attending. Uh, but they have her sign off. Yeah. Well, no. Chen just kind of says, "Just do it." Like she doesn't okay. really like. Yeah. It's not. I don't. You're it's right. not an official thing. Like I You're like. Right. I guess in this case, like the other attending would just be Doctor Exposition because because yeah. Green is gone. Carter's not yeah. an attending. Luca's Luca's not, not there. So like the the only other attending would be just one of the mis- the many mystery, yeah. you know, background doctors. But theoretically they need Carrie's approval right. to do this is basically what we're getting at. 
You know, go up to the surgical floor. Corday is operating, and when Romano comes in, they're working on Kevin, trying not to remove his spleen. And uh, someone says, "Doctor Corday, you're leaking," and she's leaking breast milk out of her breast. She's like, she's leaking breast milk. Yeah, she's leaking breast milk. Um, and Romano, to his credit, so proud, doesn't like crack a joke. Doesn't make a sexist joke or anything. He just says, "You're contaminated. Scrub out. Go pump. Go pump." That is true. I didn't. I didn't like consciously consider all of that. But like, yeah. Like yeah. if we're, if <laughs> going back to my point that no one in this episode behaves the way that you expect them to, that goes in yeah. both directions. Like I expect Romano to no. be shittier than this. No, like she's like, I'll, "I'll scrub out and come right back in," and he goes, "No, it'll just happen again. Go pump." Yeah. Like he doesn't make a. He doesn't make it right. weird. He totally could have. He's just like, it's a fact of life. Just go take care yeah. of it. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Definitely deserves credit for that. Uh, we go back. For doing the bare minimum. That, hey, sometimes that's all you're able to give. <laughs> uh, we go back to proof, proof positive from this episode. Sometimes sometimes even for ER writers, all you're able to give is the bare minimum. Uh, we go back down to the ER, which is filled with a bunch of people from the show wanting to creep on the uh, band members. Uh, Toe Guy is complaining about the weight uh, and yells at uh, yells at him while Carter talks to the OD's mom about his status. So the other uh, roadie is, uh, this is his mom, Mrs. Newberry, who uh, is played by actress Mimi Craven, who really is only notable, looking at her IMDb, she didn't do that much of note, but she's really only notable for being the ex-wife of horror director Wes Craven of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street fame. So, oh, the more you know. Cool. Uh, she knows about the liquid G stuff that's going around, and then her nose starts bleeding. And okay, like <laughs> this really isn't going to go much of anywhere other than give us a vehicle for the world's dumbest, point, most pointless cameo later in the episode. But uh, in any event, we go back from there. Paul's brother wants to be in the room, but they need room to work. Uh, Malucci asks Chen for the thrombolytics. Uh, she tries to get more info on the patient before making a call. Can't find Weaver anywhere, so eventually she just gives the green light, and uh, then they get the talk screen, like, within seconds after. Like, if they'd have waited an extra 10 seconds, they would have had the talk screen uh, that showed no drugs in Paul's system. Uh, and it's right about this time that he starts going into VTAC. Not great, Bob. So, for the next few scenes here, I, I, I didn't want, a, like, another calamity like I had um, in Season 6 and All in the Family with the audio clips. Um, it's, I'm, I got the same, I got three clips of the same sequence of events, but it's interspersed with, uh, with, uh, with the trauma room. So yeah, like Luca and Abby are having this conversation and it's going back and forth between this and the trauma. So yeah. we're going to split up this conversation just like it is in the episode. Just hard cuts. Yeah. So you want to start us off yeah. with part one? So yeah, so Luca and Abby are still at the bar and. Let's see what they're going to argue about now. I'm taking a cab. Where did you go? I was waiting for you outside. Well, I, I, I thought you were coming back in. I... <laughs> bye, bye. Sorry, that guy's father got diagnosed with prostate cancer last month. He was asking about treatment options. You can go in and talk to him. It's I'm okay. fine. It's okay. He's calling tomorrow. Okay, I'm fine. Look, okay, you forgot your credit card. Oh. 
Thanks. That has to wear on the house. Oh, no, no, no. How much? Our treat. We want to make sure you're going to come back. Then, here, for you. Thank you. Good night. Night. Nice meeting you. Yeah. Could you be a little bit more rude? Could you be a little bit more friendly? I'm glad one of us says. Go back inside. Cure cancer for the UN. <gasps> Where are you going? I'm taking the L. I thought you were coming back inside. No, you didn't. You just said you were paying the bill like two minutes ago. <laughs> that would not imply Abby's coming back inside. Right. Like that would imply you guys are leaving. So first off. Uh, and that would imply the writers cared. And is he speaking Italian to that guy? Yes. Yeah. Like because yes. the subtitles definitely said speaking Spanish on my <laughs> on mine. <laughs> and I was like, I no, don't I think, think that's Spanish. I think it's Italian. I figured it was either Italian or maybe like Croatian. Like, but I was just like, this is definitely of all the things this is, it is it is most not Spanish. Also, infuriating when like when Abby comes in and is yelling at him like, What the fuck, dude? I'm going home. Um and he's like, I thought you were coming. When he gets up to go outside with mm-hmm. her, the, he and the Italian dude do like, <laughs> women, am I right, right thing? And it makes me so mad. This fucking episode, man. Like, it, it, it feels like it's written by a sixth grader whose homework is late. Like, it's just. Yep. Uh, like, I just want to play video yeah. games. Like, I just like the, the whole thing is just awful. Yep. So there's that. Then we go on to Paul is still crashing when Carter pops in, sees there is an absolute mess happening in the trauma room when he had come in just to grab some fucking supplies. He looks at the guy's x-rays and goes, he looks marfanoid, which means he has weak tissue in his aorta. And he is bleeding into his chest now. Because they gave him blood thinners Mm. to an aortic dissection. And it all goes downhill from here. It's actually pretty pretty yeah. solid casting of this actor too to be somebody with Marfans. Uh, like he, I mean, I don't know if this actor himself had. Mar- I, I don't think so. But like, it's just like usually people with Marfans tend to be like tall, skinny, and gangly. Like because it's it affects you know obviously your aorta because that's a, a connective tissue, but if it affects all the connective tissue in your body. And makes it very like fibrous and flexible and easily terrible, and so it's just, it's just good casting. Like it's it, he, I would believe that this guy has Mar fans. So yeah, shit's fucked. Let's see if they can fix their mistake after this next audio clip where Luca and Abby are arguing on the L. I was trying to have fun. Is that a crime? No, go have fun. I could be left waiting in the street by myself. I could certainly walk home by myself. Why do you have to make such a big problem out of everything? Like you have an insect in your anus. Hey, okay. it's bug up my ass, Luca. Bug up my ass. If you're gonna insult me, you could at least get the words right. Fine, how's this? Stop being such a bitch. Okay, fine. As soon as you grow up. Right, you're so mature. Abby, you don't even know what you want. Yes, I do. I want to go home. You play games like a schoolgirl who can hit any boy and treat them all like no, crap. Why don't you just call me a whore and get it over with? I'm tired of it. You're not that pretty, you're not that special. I'm pretty enough in the dark, though, aren't I? You're never happy. I don't think you're capable of being happy. happy. Six months ago, you didn't care whether or not I was happy. If you're not depressed or ashamed, you're just angry. And you're married to a ghost. Please don't treat you with respect. Oh, I know, you're a saint, Luca. Here come the pretzels. Shots 
fire. Huh, this and and this is why Jake doesn't ship them. Right. This this feels like this feels like they left like a 62 second gap in the episode and they let the Facebook group write the dialogue for Luca. <gasps> like this. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like what are all the mean like, things what, that people say right, about Abby online? Like this feels like you let a 43 year old white woman go and write all the things she doesn't like about Maura Tierney the person. Like this is just like holy shit like uh this is we love you listeners this is uh like this is often cited by both sides this is often this particular sequence here is often cited by people as being a the reason that they gave up on this pairing at for you know forever like why they this is cited as exhibit a why they should never have ended up back together towards the end of the show and uh it's Cited, of course, by the other side as being like the most egregious example of the writers basically committing character assassination and, and trying to force the issue and force things into the Carter Abbey box rather than what was obviously kind of heading the direction of a, of a more organic ship between these two on what we've seen up until now. So my way of looking at it is I agree it's character assassination, so I take this whole sequence with a grain of salt. I think it's a lot easier for us to do having seen sure. the series and everything and know what's coming. So, like, compared to Jake Terrell Esquire, um, he has not watched the whole show. He does not know where they end up necessarily in the same way. So for him to be watching this straight through, he sees this and he goes, what the fuck? How can anybody think they need to be together? Right. Yeah, and, and it like, does bring up like an interesting not only with this th- with this storyline here, but like also with Carrie's storyline. Like it does bring up an yeah. interesting like thought experiment of like you know these are fictional characters. They don't exist. They don't right. exist in a vacuum. And so like, can you take like is it is it valid to take parts of a character's backstory that you like or dislike? And cherry pick like, you know, because there is a part of me and I think there's a part of a lot of people who just choose to pretend that this, especially that scene, but like this whole episode didn't happen because it is it does run so counter to everything else that goes on to happen later that it's almost easier to treat it as non-canon and, you know, go from there, you know, but like I, I see there I can see the other side of the argument, too, where there would be these like, you know, purists who would say like no it's if it happened on screen it's part of the character's backstory and you have to you, you can't only cherry pick out the parts that you like but i don't know but with that being said if if we're gonna go the purist route i'm gonna say this everyone has shitty days yeah some are shittier than others couples fight this shit happens is it terrible what he says to her yes does she fire back with some equally insightful things yes but like shit happens and what's more important is down the line can they reconcile that argument and can they grow from it yeah so i'm choosing to look at this as yeah they were both having a particularly bad day it was out of character in more ways than one for both of them they've got stress on their relationship because carter's being carter and everything else and just it happened it was shitty couples have shitty days they take a break and they come back stronger later. So I'll say it's canon, but they were having a poopy day. Well, we go back to the trauma where things are honestly no better there. So, you know, it's not like we're, <laughs> there are no tone shifts here. All the tones are bad. 
we go back to the trauma where uh, Chen is having trouble getting the guide wire, not the first time. Uh, and uh, Paul is losing his entire blood volume, and they've been paging Weaver for over 15 minutes. But, of course, she's over at Doc's uh, and has not responded. So Carter's going to run and get her. Physically. Quite literally. Yeah. All right, and let's uh, conclude the arguments of Luca and Abby with a short clip. Right, I know. You're always so good, and I'm so bad. I'm sick of being patient. I'm such a mess, and you're so I understanding. I put up with the lot, Abby. Oh, and I'm a burden. Carter, your mother, your mood. Why don't you just break up with me? I think you want me to. If I'm such a horrible person, how could you possibly want to be with me? I don't know how to be with you. I don't know how to help you. I don't I... want help. I don't want help. I don't want to be pitied. I don't want to be saved. Okay. 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 I give up. Okay. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Why don't I'm you just I'm done. Say... I'm done, okay? Carter can have you. Okay. I'm sorry. I do laugh when she goes, what does that mean? What does that mean? What, what does that, that mean? mean? I just... Like, I know you are, but what am I? I get it. In in the moment, you like, you escalate, but I'm just like... Yeah. Just yeah. Picture Dory just going, do yeah, you? And that's, a, and that's another uh, aspect of this whole thing is that like, as much as I dislike the, what's happening and I dislike the kind of, you know, the, the transparent nature of it all, like that, that we can see what the writers are doing creatively here as much as I dislike that, I will say it is a very well done fight. Like it's a very well acted fight mm. and very yeah. like, you know, it, it goes, it again, speaks to the chemistry of the chemistry. Doesn't always have to be like lovey dovey romance shit. It can be heated. Mm-hmm. Like it can be heated chemistry. Yeah. Which I, everybody go listen to the Eric Palladino interview. Cause I think it's out by now. It he be. makes a great point about, relationships don't always have to be romantic we had a great discussion yeah. on that in the interview so yeah like there there's definitely a lot to to dig into there and then i've also uh, another thing that should be pointed out here is that the actors themselves really fucking hated this uh mora yeah. and and goran really fucking hated this scene really fucking hated the dialogue didn't want to do it argued you know passionately that they should you know break them up sure if you want to that it's your prerogative as the writers but like do it but don't do do it differently don't take it to this like what could be perceived you know as we see with with somebody like jake watching the show for the first time could be seen as unforgivable like could be seen as something that you can't look past as a viewer and so like they made a passionate argument to say like hey maybe don't do it this way and of course obviously lost that argument because we're watching it 20 years later but it's just it's it bears mentioning that even the people involved directly were not happy with this decision question how long do they let this breathe so like how long from their breakup to when they start getting back together is it oh it's a solid yeah, couple it's, seasons. yeah Good, several seasons that's, worth that's what i that's what i was gonna say is for something like this to work and be reparable from I was like, I was hoping I wasn't misremembering that it was that much yeah, no. of a break. Is they both 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 parties need time to heal and grow before yeah. they can yeah. come back and try again. Carter's gonna take his Susan D tour, but then he will. They're, they will, will be together. They will do the, the season eight. They will be yeah. together. Which I'm just I'm gonna throw it out again. I'm so excited to talk about the Africa episode. Sorry, Daniel. This um this feels like to me this where we're at in the timeline right now. Because and this will make sense in a second. This feels to this feels to me like the stuff that happened uh, in the six months leading up to the pilot episode between Doug and Carol. Yep, that makes like, me totally track. Doug and Carol are in a place at the beginning of the series where 
you know, they're estranged, but there's clearly some connection still there. Uh, and there's clearly a lot of history there. But we never get to really see what that history is. We get mentions of it. You know, there's allusions to Clooney's behavior, but like we don't really like see in in full view kind of what it was that drove them apart initially. And this stuff right here, all this darkness and all this kind of passion and anger feels like what we missed out on with Doug and Carol. And I say all that to say that like the next couple of seasons are essentially going to be a modified rehash of the slow burn of Doug and Carol, like that we went through. Remember when we were like mid season four or like late you know, somewhere in there or, or no, 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 actually I think it was mid season three going into season four. Like, it got to the point where we were practically like begging them to just let them be happy and just let them be together and like, let them do the thing. Mm -hmm. You're going to get to a similar point again with these two, but it, they will fucking tease it out. Like it is a slow burn to get us back there. And so it is sort of a, like kind of a, a rehash of the Doug and Carol thing. And I think it does work to great effect, but it's just going to be a long road to get back there. That's, that's a really good uh, way of putting it, Daniel. I wouldn't have even like thought of that, but that's yeah. an excellent we way to phrase it. We got a hell of a long road to the episode. I don't. Yeah. Oh, yes, which is so good. Filmed, filmed um, in a porn location, if you'll recall, from a previous uh, interview. <laughs> yep. What a, he was still such a fun yeah, interview. But anyway, we go back to the... Tr are we done talking about the For argument? now. Yes. Are we good? For now. Fair. As done as Luca and Abby. Yikes. Uh, so we go back to the trauma, and... They find Carter says, I am not opening this chest without Weaver, knowing that they're already fucked. And Chen sends Carter to go get her. And he runs oh. to Doc's. This is, yeah, this is where he runs. Excuse me, my eyes spoke earlier. Close enough. He, he was going to run. You were right. You just used future tense. But he runs over to Doc's, slips and falls, not drips and falls <laughs> right on his ass, as the notes have. And he hauls himself back up to go get it's been her. It's been a long time since we've had a good Noah Wiley Pratt fall. Haven't had yeah, one of those was, in a while. Oh, that looked that looked so painful. But then uh, Weaver comes in at Carter's behest, and she just goes, "Put the scalpel down. Stop compressions. You've killed him." Oof, 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 oof. oof. So we're getting real close to B territory, Carrie, here in a minute. But Roger pops in to talk to Reese, and hi, Calpen. What a fucking random like. I, yeah. he looked so young and just so different from how I've seen him recently that I almost didn't catch this. Lizzie said it and I was like, no. And then I looked and I was like, uh, yeah. Excuse you, use this Christian name, member of the Obama. I was going to say, first, first, first it. and possibly only person on the uh, entire 15 seasons of the show to have worked in the White House. Uh, it's so fucking Cal cool. Penn, uh, who is best known for, of course, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle, which holds up way better than you would expect that it would. Uh, oh, know. really? Yeah. Like not, that's not to say that it's completely, you know, golden, evergreen, but uh, no. I would say like 80% holds up, which for a 2004 movie is pretty darn good. Uh, also has the guy who killed Lucy in it. So enjoy that. Uh, Van Wilder. He was also in that. And of course, was in uh, House where they uh, killed him off in the stupidest possible way so that he could go work in the White House. Uh, well, that makes me feel a little bit better about that character death, because that one absolutely destroyed me when I was watching House Weekly. Yeah, kind of necessitated a quick exit. Yeah, but good for him. I mean, great. Didn't he then go on to do Designated Survivor? Yeah, he was on that show. He's had a really, like, interesting career, and, you know, uh, I guess, what was it, last year, uh, 
came out as a, a gay man who's like been that's right oh, he's really? been, he's been living he's that. been li- like i think he's been married and living with the same guy for like 12 years like he's been in the same relationship for you know over a decade and uh it just seems to be like a really like smart like yeah. opinionated person like i just really like Calpin. his partner is josh they've been together since 2010 and they are engaged okay see there so you go working towards getting married so good on Cal Penn. We all we love him. Uh, but yep, then so Cal Penn's the doctor here, sitting with Reese, and Roger has told Carla's parents what happened. Asks Benton to take Reese tonight, which is really awkward because Benton's like, "Yeah, I was going to," and then they both kind of pause on it for a second, and it's a little awkward. And then Roger, because uh, Roger clearly cares about Reese so much and loves him too, and he says here, he says like he signs to him and just really really gently and lovingly is like hey i'll i'll see you like tomorrow or the next day you know because he's got to take care of the stuff with carla as her as her spouse he's got to do all that stuff so of course he's gonna let reese hang out with menton and not think anything of it because he that way he doesn't have to worry about both of them yeah but he very clearly like adores Reese. It's just like I just I just want to say that right now because I know what's coming and I oh, know yeah. how fucking shitty it is all around. Like both of these men love Reese with all their hearts. It's just such a bummer because like they, it like you look at that picture and I'm just like, like it doesn't even have to be romantic. But like, can't you just be his two gay dads? Like, can't you just yeah. like <laughs> co-parent? Yeah, just, just co-parent. co-parent. Like you both clearly have this child's interests at heart. Like just. Yeah. Put your egos away for a second. Really, I'm talking to Benton here because it's really Roger is mostly vic- blameless in this situation. It's it's the same shit later. I'm, I'm going to throw this way forward as Tony and what's-her-face's parents. Oh, yeah. Uh, Just co-parents. Sarah. Chloe Greenfield. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Thank you, yes. So, okay. Sorry. Go ahead, Lizzie. Anyway. Uh, so let's go to our last audio clip here. Carrie's chewing out Malucci and Chen. You don't know what Marfan's looks like? He's an artist. His brother said he was up all week. I was thinking cocaine. Did you check the blood pressures in both arms? I don't think so. Did you or didn't you? No. You didn't recognize the wide and medius steinum? Not until after he arrested. Apical capping tracheal shift to the right is classic for a dissection. Uh, I was told that it was clear. I meant no hematorics. Wait a minute, you, you didn't look at the x-ray before you signed off on thrombolytics? Jing Mei. Jing Mei? Uh, no, I should have. Yeah, you should have. Look, you didn't answer your page. We had to make a quick decision. You know what, that's your job. You make quick decisions based on the information available. You had the right information. You didn't bother to look at it. You've never made a bad call? Not as stupid and lethal as this one. Then show up and make it yourself. We paged you three times. In a perfect world, Dr. Malucci, I wouldn't subject any patients to your care. If you knew your ass from your elbow or even gave a damn. I do give a damn. I do give a damn. This man might still be alive. Look, he dissected into his corneas. He'd probably never even survive surgery anyway. Well, we'll never know that, will we? The rest of the family should be screened. I'm going to go talk to her brother. Wait, Dave, I'll do it. No, I will. No one talks to anyone about this case. Is that clear? Is that clear? Yes. Ice that back, Carter. 
This storyline is almost enough to make me just hate Carrie overall. I hate this version of her. I hate this cover your ass bullshit. Knowing she knows what she did. She knows she doesn't have her pager. Ah, I know I'm spoiling the end of the episode, but like, <laughs> but she does. She never had her pager. Does she, she know, does she know at this like, point? I guess she probably would have at least checked. She like put, she's starting to put it yeah. together. Yeah. But she's goes into full cover your ass mode and and she's she's so vindictive. I think maybe I'm this is yeah. the word I'm looking for, but Yeah, that works. Yeah. But just like just throwing Malucci un, just throwing Malucci under the whole ass bus. Well, he no, she chews Chen out too. She's like, you didn't fucking look. No, but I'm not. But I'm just saying, like, in terms of like, I wouldn't subject anyone to your care if I had a choice. Like, Jesus Christ, woman, not okay. And it it, it goes absolutely off. not okay. The most unprofessional I've ever seen, Carrie. And I just I hate everything about this and what it leads to. I just want to say, I love, I caught this here that I didn't catch when I was taking notes as she's yelling at them and she's like, and if you gave a damn, he's like, I do care. I do care. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, Eric Palladino. Right. And, and, we're, having and, the, we're having the interview syndrome. Right. And, but it. again, though, again, goes, uh, you know, thankfully they'll have heard it by now, yeah. but um, it adds an extra layer of it when you consider everything that he was feeling mm-hmm. at, the, like, I'm talking about the actor at this point that... The whole reason he's decided to leave the show is because he feels like they have no interest in exploring the humanity of Dave as a character. They have no interest in digging any deeper than Funny Man Fall Down. So and not knowing that there would be time for them to get there because right. the show is already in its eighth season. At right. This point. I mean, he sort of was operating under the assumption that the show had, you know, one to two years, maybe three or four tops left. And so he's thinking, do I really want to spend that time, you know, doing Funny Man Fall Down, which is, you know, fine. Like, there, he's like, I don't have anything against that. He's like, but there was so much more to that character that I felt was, you know, begging to be explored. And when he asked, you know, somewhat politely, like, you know, had his, like, waited until he had his, like, end of season seven, like hey, let's talk about how things are going meeting. He basically advocated for himself and was like, yeah, I would like to do more. I would like to dig into more of Malucci's kind of like character and backstory and like let's explore some of this stuff. And like in kind of no uncertain terms, they basically told him like, no, we see him as Funny Man Fall Down. And like... Or, or he's not there. He, or just that they, they basically like... Yeah. He didn't get into the specifics, but he basically just said the impression that he got was that they didn't have any interest in exploring the character beyond what they already had. And so you take all that stuff into account, it really does put a line read like that into so much more perspective that, like, he really did care about this character and he really did want more for this character and was basically told no. And so, and, and then you consider the fact that, like, you know, episode after next, he's gone forever. And ne- mm-hmm. and next episode is not a pleasant one for Malucci. So, like, it's just really, like, this is kind of the last moment that you have to really savor with Malucci before he is, you know, destroyed, you know, going back to the character assassination thing, destroyed forever next episode and then gone forever the episode after that. So it's, it's a lot to unpack here. And yeah, like going back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, 
picking and choosing the stuff that you like about a character and whether or not you're able to do that or whether or not it's it is a purist thing where you have to take everything at face value and incorporate everything the good and the bad i don't know like because like when i think about carrie as a character i think about her relationship with genie and i think about her relationship with luca and i think about her you know gay gay awakening and yeah and, and learning to you know be a mother and stuff and like i don't generally think about this stuff as much but it's it is sort of an undeniable aspect of the character and i think ultimately where i land on it is that you know all of these characters are human at the end of the day and that you know it would be a really boring show if like she just always did the right thing all the time without fail and you know or if malucci was always a fuck up and didn't have a single shred of you know competence in him like it's because of the like you know multitudes of these characters is why we care about them and so i think in that respect you do have to sort of like take the good with the bad and you do have to like appreciate carrie at her best and at her worst and i think this is unquestionably probably her worst you know i think you could probably make the argument for the whole alderman thing too which is coming either this season or next i can't remember but like you know like there's just there's an argument on both sides i think to be made for like you can just have your like fantasy versions of characters where you take them and only think about the good things but then Marguerite. the bad things also yeah well also too, make sure that those things are equally applied like don't just do it for your favorite white male characters like do it for do it for every character like if you're gonna go that route do it for every character random little shot here of abby getting ready for bed looks very like stressed out washing her face brushing her teeth and everything then she just kind of climbs into bed and looks a little despondent but i have to note because nap nap squad represent <laughs> her blankets look really comfy yeah and uh corday guts <clears throat> excuse me and corday gets home and hears ella crying and ella is uh, uh, is covered in poop and it's all over <laughs> i mean that's what no but it was just it was just cute the way you said it poop just covered in poop i mean i was debating whether to say shit feces no, poop. or poops. poops poops in the notes say yeah. poop so it's all over her bassinet it's I... like her crib okay I it's was like saying... the softer pre-cribs that they use where it's just a little like baby bed yeah oh, that's what that is that's called a bassinet i didn't i never fully understood that word until today there you go um but yeah, because Mark didn't uh, tighten the diaper enough. And can I read course, this line? Yeah, please. Uh, so this line, this whole meltdown that Lizzie has here when she says, you don't make me the bitch because you can't follow simple instructions. Um, yes, queen. Yeah. Like this is for every housewife, house spouse ever Every woman doing the emotional labor in her house. This applies to Lizzie doing our emotional labor, too. She has to constantly tell me what to do, and I'm terrible about it. But, like, if if a man does something poorly once, he's never asked to do it again. Because women will always say that it's mostly faster to just do it themselves. We end up overloading our brains and our time with house management on top of whatever else we're doing. Because it's just easier and we shouldn't have to delegate tasks. It should just be, no, you just do equal part of the work. And so this line here, just I've just been hearing so much about that online lately. So to hear her do this, and she's like, no, you take all of it. You take the sore breasts, the hemorrhoids, the 3 a.m. feedings. If you want to truly be equal, you can have it. 
Because Mark's like, I'm doing my, I'm doing yeah. my share, blah blah blah. And he, he was stone cold asleep. He was passed with out the whole time. Face, Ella was crying. face down on the bed with a pillow over his head. So clearly was hearing it at one point and put the pillow over his head to drown it out. Yeah. So like, no. Uh, anybody who says God Corday becomes such a bitch. After I was Ella is born, okay. It's like, uh, yep. no shit. So I was, I was just gonna say, like, what you said earlier, Lauren, about how you know we're applying the the good parts that we like, or whatever, and then you're like, <coughs> cough, Mark Green. The unfortunate take home message of not only this episode but this season, uh, is that Corday's a bitch and this really sours people's impressions of that character uh, because it's like, oh, after Ella's born, she becomes such a harpy. And it's like, okay. You try being a mom to a newborn. And still being a surgeon and like, and dealing with, frankly, you know, like, so, which again, I think, I, I think this episode is a character assassination on a lot of levels. Like, I think, I think Mark sucks at certain aspects of his life, mm-hmm. but I don't know that I expected him to suck to that degree. Like, I, I yeah. think maybe there's an argument to be made for, again, unseen stuff, like where preseason mm-hmm. one baby Rachel time, maybe that maybe that Mark sucks. Like, maybe that Mark sucks at being a dad. But I feel like season eight Mark, you know, having a, had a brush with death Mark might have learned a little something and might have gained a new perspective and might be a l- just slightly more competent. But they decide to make him into your average sitcom dad in this episode. Right. And it, it feels like Which... a it feels like a disservice to both of these characters that he's incompetent and that she has to turn into such a, you know, raging harpy to motivate him. It's it just sucks. Yep. And I just want to say I did a poor job explaining weaponized incompetence. I do not mean that I hate all men, but seriously, guys, if you're interested in it, go look, just Google it, do some, do some stuff about it. Cause the mental load in relationships is very interesting as far as mental labor goes. And it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. So just wanted to clarify on that. Cause I know that was a little strong, but Lauren said hashtag, but not all men. But I, <laughs> You want to read the list of responses tonight, then, Lizzie? No, that's that's all you. You said I. You already said I did do mostly most emotional labor. So you may as well. This is just Lauren doing her part. Yeah. Oh uh, boy. Exactly. But yeah, Corday is just done. Done. Yeah. And she she acts this so well. I will say that she might be a raging bitch here. I don't use that term lightly, but she does it so well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's. I think there's probably a lot of like unseen stuff that we're not privy to, but you know. I don't know. There's just this episode is a failure on so many levels. Uh, but we start to wrap things up. Carter is finishing sutures on Toe Guy's foot. Finally, glad we closed the loop on that. Uh, Carrie goes back to Doc's in search of her pager and ultimately finds it in the bathroom. I hate it. Yep. Uh, and then fucking just the worst, most pointless uh fucking out of cryostasis cameo this episode where dale shows up for reasons that are still unclear uh and so he shows up he's been working on the mom of the od guy she had some kind of defect in her uh septum Mm -hmm. and says that oh i guess two grams of coke a day will do that and he basically shows up to deliver the title of the episode with, you know, the longer you stay, the longer you stay. This is just, this is just lazy. Like, I just don't, I don't understand why he's here. 
he should just get played off in sh- with schmaltzy music and exit yeah, stage right. I just don't understand this at all. I don't. Uh, Carter's going off to take a nap in exam room three uh, with his uh, little note that he puts on the door. Uh, you know, do not disturb. I gave at the office, uh, which is, uh, you know, that the one like kind of redeemable part of this entire episode outside of Reese and Benton. And uh, speaking of the Reese and Benton, we go back to uh, those two. Reese goes into Benton's room and wakes him up. Uh, turns out he was having bad dreams and wants to sleep with dad. So it is a very heartwarming end to a very, very frustrating episode that I did not enjoy watching and yeah. was just a complete mess from beginning to end. This episode truly sucks. I we're off to a very very rough start here with season eight. I didn't remember these two episodes. I knew these ep- these two episodes weren't the best, but I don't remember them being this bad. I give this one a four. Yeah, that's about where I'm at. Four, maybe five. Yeah, because Reese, Reese yeah. is too unkey. Reese is the only thing that saves. This. Yeah, Reese and Benton are the only part of this episode that I would save in a fire. Everything else get rid of it it's horrible it's not particularly coherently told it is like i said on for like multiple characters it borders on character assassination and Mm -hmm. it is and so much of it ends up not mattering that's the other thing like it's it's character assassination just seemingly for the sake of it which is why i said you know that I feel like this episode is just a, uh, the writers having a temper tantrum. Like, it feels like them going like, oh, fuck, like, we're going to have to, like, start figuring out what to do. Like, Malucci's leaving. Benton's, I mean, because I'm pretty sure at this point, everybody who's leaving made their intentions known preseason. So, like, you know, they're going to have four main cast members who are gone by the end of the season. So that means they're going to have to start you know, building different characters, bringing in others, you know, like there's, there's going to be a lot of work on the table for the writers over the, the remaining 20 episodes of this season. And, uh, it almost feels like they're just really pissy about all the work they're going to have to do. And so they were like, fuck it. I'm going to fold my arms and throw a hand grenade into things. Mm-hmm. And I just really hate it. Like this, this is a contender. I think for me, it's up there with the, uh, the gang gaslights genie into outing herself episode from season three. It's up there for me with like my pick for maybe the worst episode of the entire show up till now. Like really, really hated it. I'd agree with that. It's definitely that's, top five worst. That's for fair. sure. We're on a great streak this, this season so far. I understand why Jake's been uh hate tweeting it so far. Um, but did the listeners have anything nice to say? Oh about boy. Lauren? They had plenty to say. Daniel, I may tap in on this one. We'll see. But at Basic Mall says, so recently I ranked all 331 episodes and The Longer You Stay came out as my least favorite. Everyone is out of character. I don't like how anyone acts this acts except Benton, and he's the best part of this episode. His scene with Reese always makes me emotional. Everyone is oddly hostile. Mark and Elizabeth fighting, Abby and Luca fighting, Carrie forgetting her pager is so out of character, Carrie Weaver doesn't forget things. It sets up Malucci leaving and Jingmei being absent for a good chunk of the season. To me, it feels like it comes out of nowhere. I think the part of this episode that makes it my least favorite is Dale. Fucking Dale the Weasel, trademark, makes makes a decent point to Carter with the line, the longer you stay, the longer you stay which Carter takes to heart as he doesn't leave for a while and keeps coming back after he does. I also find this line deliciously ironic because we're pretty close to the end of Dale. He's gone pretty early in season nine. <sighs> Gen T, dear, dear Gen T, 
says, there is a bunch of great stuff in this episode. Okay. Uh, but let's address the elephant in the fucking room. <laughs> Feel free to edit my bad language, but this particular episode deserves all of the cursing. Five minutes ago, Luca was being intentionally sweet. He was asking Abby for about the fourth time to move in with him. But hey, here's Carter and his riches and condensation. Con- condensation. Condensation. This is even better. <laughs> His riches and his ambient moisture. I'm. Le- you can leave that in. I can't fucking read. I'm done today. Yay, Carter is better for Abby because she is what? Carter wants her. Oh, condensation. That's a great one. I haven't fucked up like that in a while. Grace B says, One, what Doc Jen said. Fuck this. A, Luca's being a jerk, but not in any of his normal ways, so fuck this. We'll get, we'll get a couple more Carter and Abby moments I love. But not only is this a bullshit way to break up Abby and Luca, it's a bullshit way to take the fantastic friendship Abby and Carter were forming and make it toxic. And two, is that leaking breast milk sterile? To be clear, I'm laughing at the 20-something who had to ask, not Elizabeth. Three, I noticed something on rewatch that rubbed me the wrong way. When Benton says mommy died, he doesn't sign. He says it in English. And especially with the music and the way the shot is framed, it feels like the production is putting more gravity into the English words. Like the English words are more important, hold more emotion than the ASL. One could certainly argue that it would, wouldn't be far-fetched for Benton, certainly, and maybe not Reese, to have learned the word for dead or something. But I don't think it's ultimate, I don't think that's ultimately relevant to my point. My point is that just because the majority of the audience is English speaking and hearing and hearing does not doesn't mean prioritizing and catering to their language in order to exert an emotional response is necessary as evidenced by the crossing. And it feels like the director or editor or somebody is devaluating and or misunderstanding the richness of ASL as a language and that as the kids say gives me the ick. I'm also pretty jet-lagged, just in case this makes less sense out loud than it did in my head. Also, four, fuck the entirety of this upcoming custody battle arc. I hate all of it. Reese deserves better. P.S. I know Daniel said last season was Carla's last appearance, so is someone else standing in for her corpse? Yes, uh, nearly nearly what appears to be a white woman, because when Roger lifts up her arm to like kiss her hand, it is like pale, pale. I mean, I know she's supposed to be dead, but good lord, like <laughs> that. Don't get rid of Melanie. Right? I don't think she's checking a different box on the census anyway. Anyway, uh, oh. but the, the, this was the response I was referring to earlier about like the the ASL discussion, mm-hmm. and you know, like I obviously like none of us are qualified to really like right, weigh, weigh in on that. Like, I just thought it was an interesting perspective and one I'd never really considered before. And I and I read this response before I did my watch for notes. And so I was actually watching for it and they do sort of do that. Like they, and I don't know if that was a purposeful choice or not because all through that, that uh, take and all through that scene prior to that, Benton is very clearly signing and communicating back and forth with Reese. And then when they go in for the, you know, when they go in for the kill shot, like when they go in to really like break the viewer's hearts, all of a sudden he stops and it becomes just about the words. And, you know, I, I don't think that, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't think that the scene loses anything by it not being there, but I also don't know that the scene would have lost anything if it were there. You know what I mean? I feel like they could have gotten the same emotional impact 
both time in both ways and so i guess from an inclusivity standpoint i would have preferred they would have left it in there and and you know they, they they could have had their cake and eaten it too i guess but maybe it was a an artistic choice by the director or maybe it was an artistic choice by the editor to say like ah, it works better if he doesn't sign i don't know but it, it it is an interesting point to bring up and one i had not considered in previous watches so felt it was worth mentioning yeah oh absolutely we always love more representation and uh consideration from our listeners that we wouldn't think of so please guys always share those unique perspectives this is exactly why we have listener responses with that being said going on to last but certainly not least at the full-time dad well i guess i'll be the one to pivot away from luca and abby and talk about that heartbreaking 90 second scene between peter and reese first it's crazy to think that in that in just a few short months, there will be no more Reese until season 15 and only a handful of moments with Peter. So I'm glad these two got to share such a powerful scene. Trying to explain to your child that their mother has died is already one of the most difficult tasks a parent would have to do. The way this scene portrays it captures it so beautifully. I cry every time I watch it. And I'm sorry, Aaron, my brain just went like this. You cry every time. Um, (laughs) Back to Aaron's comment. Benton's arc might have been a bit scattershot in Seven, but it's a comfort to know that they give him some strong material to finish and that the focus will be on his relationship with Reese, albeit in different circumstances, in difficult circumstances. Beyond that scene, I'm not nearly as passionate about... I have no... I have, it's the episode title. Uh, <laughs> it's the episode... The longer you it stay... It took me forever to figure out what that acronym was Aaron, supposed to be. Aaron, you can't do this shit to me. I'm not nearly as passionate about The Longer You Stay as my fellow fans. People are passionate about this episode. It's a solid quasi-premiere in the same fashion as Something New was in season I think four. He means, I think he means After, passionate in the negative sense, the connotation. Ah, uh, okay. Uh, after a season of Goodwill for one Carrie Weaver, the episode reminded me of why she's so polarizing. Good word. As she hangs Chen and ultimately Malucci out to dry in an act of self-preservation that harkens back to the Synergics fiasco in four. We need Sandy here fast before I fall off the carry mobile. <sighs> all right, well, that's fucking a wrap up our episode for today. Thank you all very much for listening as always. I don't know why I said it like that. This show is brought to you in part by our patrons over at patreon.com slash podcast. For only $1 a month, you can get access to our show notes each For only $5 a month, you can get an assortment of stickers, including one featuring our favorite desk clerk, Jerry, two-week early access to all of our cast and crew, crew interviews, and over 60 hours of bonus audio and video content, including the full season recap episodes, a free-form monthly bonus show called The Lounge, movie reviews where we talk about a movie featuring an ER cast member, and who's fixed to those where Lauren reads us some ER fan fiction. We'd also appreciate it if you would follow us on our social media accounts. Uh, we are at Set the Tony ER on twitter we are on facebook at facebook.com slash saying tone podcast and we are at saying the tone podcast on instagram also be sure to check out the official saying the tone community on facebook our theme music is provided to us by andrew m edwards and daniel where can folks find you at they can find me on instagram at dan.u that is y-o-u.el they can also find me on my other podcast the popular court with my co-host jake terrell where we do a different pop culture topic each episode and put it through a little mock trial and Lauren, where can folks find you at? Uh, folks can find me on my Instagram at Lobo92345 because apparently Hive is not a great substitute right now. So for now, Instagram, and as always, I'm unfortunately still on Twitter at Lobob92345. Guys, I'm rock climbing. You can see some dumb pictures of that if you ask me. Horribly coded app is horrible with Hive. Yeah. Um, I'm still I'm still riding the Twitter train. You can find me there. I'm at RandomGamer. That's JAM3R. And thanks again to everyone very much for listening. Please join us again next time and have a great week.